This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So I was taking a stroll down memory lane the other day as I was looking at all the podcasts we have on the YouTube podcast channel. It's just called Zach's Podcast. You can find all of our podcasts there, at least through uh, ETF uh, Insights, um, both of my podcasts, including obviously The Value Investor. I think John Blank's Spoken Words podcasts are over there. And the Earnings Podcast that Shiraz Mian does, I think, is on there as well. Uh, but I was just scrolling through kind of uh like I said, going down memory lane at what episodes have we done on the Value Investor Podcast, which ones resonated with people. And so I went all the way back. I think it went back eight years or seven or eight years on the on the YouTube channel to see what the oldest ones were. And then I, I scrolled through what the most popular ones were, which includes all of the podcasts that are on there, obviously, not just the Value Investor. And it was interesting to see what, uh, again, everybody is listening to. But I stumbled across one of the podcasts that was from about five and a half years ago. And the title of it is Five Value Stocks to Buy and Hold for Five Years. So I thought this was intriguing, right? Because I did do that episode now more than five years ago because it was out published on july 18th 2018 well of course i'm curious what happened to those stocks that were in that episode uh did they go anywhere were they decent to buy and hold for five years um so i want to take a look so i listened to the episode to see what was in it and you know, what What kind of screening did we use? How did we pick these stocks? And it turns out um, we looked for companies, obviously, that had some value. So it was a PE under 15. I did look for double-digit earnings growth, at least in 2018, when the podcast was done. You had to have some double-digit earnings growth because if I'm going to hold it for five years, I do want some growth there. It can't just be cheap. I wanted some growth. And we did debate in 2018 whether or not the double-digit earnings growth was due to the corporate tax cuts that had just been put into place the year prior, 2017, but actually kicked in in 2018. And, and that did increase earnings with a lot of companies because of the cut there. So we debated that, and then we also looked for a dividend because, again, if I'm going to hold it for five years, I am more of an investor, not a trader, and I wanted to be able to get something um, for my patients, uh, for one, and because dividends, even if it's just one or two percent, can really boost your overall return on a stock, especially over long periods of time, because normally that dividend usually is raised by the company. And so that dividend starts to compound on itself alongside the stock. So that's why we looked for something with a dividend. And I think the yield was at least over one percent. So I did go pretty low on the yield, but it had to be yielding at least 1%. And I did remark that we didn't really get, um, or I shouldn't say we didn't get any small caps. We 
uh, got some small caps, but I did not include them in the five stocks that I chose for the podcast because I did feel like they were a little risky to own for the longer period because there is more volatility with the earnings and the revenue of a small cap company. And even with that dividend, it is somewhat rare, but not totally unheard of to get a dividend with a small cap company. Usually you get it with a mid or a large cap, but there are some that that do pay it. But I just felt like it was maybe not the type of companies I wanted to hold for five years. And I went with some bigger names that, uh, you know, have been a little more established, as we should say. I did look for building block companies, and those are what you want to own that are, again, the building blocks of the economy. Now, these may be in tech, but they may not be. They may be in things like insurance, banks, chemical companies, transportation, those kinds of things that have stood the test of time and or at least the last hundred years. And um, that's what you want because we're going to own it for five years. So I want to make sure it's going to stick around. Now, nothing is guaranteed on that, which is why if you are buying and holding as your strategy, then you need to revisit the company's you know, every year at a minimum, maybe every quarter, if you're really into what's going on at the companies, but certainly every year, because as we've even just seen with the banks, things can change. They changed in 2008, 2009 for in banking, and they've changed again in 2023 when the Fed raised the rates and some banks got caught on the wrong side of that Fed increase. So uh, yeah, you need to to pay attention to what's going on, what the management is like at your company, but also just what's going on in that industry. So we've seen some industries die out. You know, I'm thinking of Blockbuster Video, right? We got Netflix, but how long will Netflix stick around? Who knows what the next thing is? Maybe it's the metaverse and Netflix will just kind of fade away. Nobody knows. Uh, Same with newspapers and magazines. There's a lot fewer of both of those these days, even online. And, um, you know, Older investors like Warren Buffett, he used to swear by the newspapers because he loved their consistent revenue stream with the classifieds. But slowly, the internet stole the business of the classifieds from the newspapers. Then they had advertising, but slowly the internet stole that too. And so a lot of newspapers just died. And finally, even Warren Buffett himself threw in the towel on newspapers and sold all of his newspapers as well. But he was a big believer for decades, right? But that doesn't um, necessarily mean that they are going to be good investments for the long haul. And I think he would be the first to say maybe he should have sold sooner than what he did. But you do get kind of entrenched in your companies and in those industries. And it is hard for some of us to see the changes that are going on around certain industries. 
So that's why it is hard to be a buy and hold investor. Now, we only did this episode for five years. That's not as difficult as if you really are going to buy and hold for 10 or 20 years. A lot can change in many companies over 20 years. I'm thinking even back to, so that would have been 2004. Uh, We would have had Blockbuster Video. We would have had a lot of retailers that no longer exist. Things like Borders Bookstores. I think they went under in 2011. So they're no longer with us. Just, um, you know, a lot of changes in things and businesses over that time period. Now, some adapt and adjust to things. Obviously, Netflix started its business by mailing DVDs in the mail to people. They only just recently in 2023 closed down that aspect of their business. But then they converted over to streaming as one of the first big uh, companies to do so. And they benefited from that conversion away from the video, the VCR or the DVD or DVR um, and the DVDs players and all of that. Now, interestingly, some of this stuff can kind of come come back around. <laughs> I don't think Blockbuster Video is going to, but um, we've seen it with record albums, right? Those went away for a number of years when the CDs came along, and then we got streaming. We got, uh, you know, the um, iPod, and we had we have Spotify and all these other things. Apple Music now. But um, still, people are now going back out and buying actual record albums once again. So again, I'm just uh, pointing out that it is difficult to do the buy and hold, but I was intrigued to see how did we fare after doing a screen for value stocks with double-digit earnings growth in 2018, PEs under 15, and a dividend yielding at least 1% or higher. And uh, we picked out five. So I'm going to run through the five again, because this is what I did. I wrote down what the five were, and then I looked at them um, on the basis of having bought them on July 18th and then looked at them to see, are they still values today? What's happening with them? Um, Do any of these still look interesting today in 2024? So we're a little bit past the five-year period, but not by much. So this is still uh, worth checking in, and it'll give you some ideas of just how difficult it is to be a buy and hold investor on individual stocks. Sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. So let's dive right in. Okay, um, I'm going to do them in the order that they were done on the original show. So the first stock out the gate was one I called boring because it is, it was then, it still is, it's progressive. The insurance company, ticker PGR, P is in Paul, G is in George, R is in Robert. Progressive insurance, they do um, property and casualties. So it's your auto, your house. They're not doing health insurance. They're doing the other stuff. So um, yes, I said it was boring at the time. They had a PE of 13.9 and a dividend yielding 1.9%. So what's happened to them since July 18th, 2018? If you bought and held then, you crushed it. You're doing very good. So I looked up July 18th, 2018 through February 13th, 2024. 
and it's up 212.7% during that time period. S&P up 76.7%, so pretty good for the S&P 500 as well, but up 212.7 and hitting new highs. It just reported its January results and the stock is up hitting those new highs on the news. Now it's not as cheap, not even close as what it was in 2018. Maybe because it's had this big surge, Uh, but it was 13.9 PE, it's now 21.2. So the boring insurance company is expensive now, definitely expensive. And it paid that dividend yielding 1.9%, it's yielding only 0.5. So not as juicy on the dividend side either. But the earnings for 2024 are expected to be up 40.6% and 2025 another 18.9%. I'm not sure why the huge earnings growth here, but the stock is uh, you know, performing along with what those earnings are doing. So I wouldn't call this a value stock anymore. Progressive is more of a growth name here and it is pricey as I said. Progressive has been around since 1937. These are the kinds of stocks you do like if you're going to buy and hold because at least you know it has a track record. There's no guarantees, of course. You could be around that long and still management can mess it up and you know tough times can come. But um, at least you know the track record and can look at that. So Progressive, big winner if you bought and held it in July 18th, 2018, ticker PGR. Okay, the second stock was in transportation on the freight side. We've talked about it before, Rider System, ticker R, just R as in Robert, it's got the single digit. Back in 2018, it had a PE of 13 and a nice dividend yielding 2.75%. So we definitely liked the dividend back then, and we are familiar with the name, but they're big in logistics and freight. Those two things are big, but freight market has been really tough and over the last year, if not maybe even 18 months, it's been in a recession. So earnings expected to decline in 2024 now by 9.4%. And they did just report earnings when I'm recording this on February 14th. And uh, the shares were falling 6% on that earnings report. So I haven't had time to dig in there, but we all know it is a tough freight market. Shares have been kind of holding up, though, in the face of it, surprisingly so. But over the time period from July 18th, 2018 to February 13th, 2024, Shares are up 41.9%, and that includes during the pandemic, don't forget. But again, the S&P 500 up 76.7%. So much better performance by the S&P 500, but um, not terrible. At least it's up, right? (laughs) You're not losing, but um, it is underperforming. Now, you do still get a decent dividend, yielding 2.4% now versus 2.75% back then. And it is still cheap, trading at 10.3 times on a forward PE basis. I own Ryder in the Zacks Value Investor portfolio. and We've owned it for a couple of years, but it has been a challenge. It's gone up. It's like hit some highs. Then it's pulled back on the stock market sell-offs. 
And then it's rallied again, but it hasn't really broken out anywhere. And that won't break out until the freight market heals itself. So that's one of the issues with Ryder. So even though we've owned over five years, um, if we bought in when we first listened to this podcast in 2018, it has been a more challenging ride. So that's Ryder System, ticker R as in Robert. Okay, the next stock you may not be surprised that it is a bank. Yeah, I I liked the banks back then. I still like the banks, but my liking them hasn't hasn't changed the facts that they're among the worst performers of of industries over this time period. And so the bank that I picked is called East West Bank Corp. And its ticker is E as in Edward, W as in Wendy, B as in Bob, C as in Charles, East West Bank Corp. And they're kind of interesting. They were chartered in 1973. They're located in Pasadena. They have 120 locations globally now. So they were basically started, you might imagine, by the name East West as a bank for Chinese immigrants. So they have a lot of locations still in China, including in Shanghai, Shenzhen, Beijing, Hong Kong, and other major cities. And they are across the United States, not just in California now. Um, That's where they get the 120 locations. So pretty um, large with a market cap of 9.7 billion, but it is called a regional bank, right? And we know what's been happening with those. So I was a little little nervous to look this one up, but the shares are up since July 18th, 2018, but just 9.5%. So not very uh, good performance. They do pay a dividend still yielding 3.2%. And let me see, it was only yielding one2 back in 2018, but that could have been because the Fed was really restricting how much these banks could pay out. And so um, maybe, you know, uh, they were restricted there and now they're not. And the stock is not doing much. So you get the bigger yield on the dividend. Um, So that's nice. How are we doing on valuations? Last time, it was trading at 13.9 on the PE. Now it's trading at 8.9 with a peg of 0.9. But uh, banks trade a little bit more on price to book and other fundamentals. But we didn't look at that for this podcast because we were only looking at PEs. So that's East West Bank Corp. It has not been good. And I hope that if you did buy and hold any bank over that time period, you really have been checking in on those conference calls, um, on any reports from the analysts to see what's going on with the business and so that you don't get stuck in one where management isn't good. Um, But you really do have to start to question, I know I do, whether or not these banks will ever be a decent investment uh, even versus the S&P 500. That's how bad it's been over the last number of years, as we all know. But that's East West Bank Corp, ticker EWBC. Okay, number four was in tech. And I was all excited to get some tech in there because even in 2018, most tech was expensive and it was hard to find value stocks that were tech. But we there's always this one. Well, there's two. 
there's two that show up in a lot of our screens. Those of you who've listened a long time know what they are. First one is IBM, right? That shows up all the time, um, especially if we're screening on PE basis. And the second one is the one that was in this podcast in 2018, Intel, ticker INTC. And for some reason, I didn't get the PE back then, but we know it was under 15. So it was cheap back in 2018, was paying a dividend yielding 2.3%. It always did pay like a pretty good dividend to try to lure you in there. Um, But now PE, I was kind of shocked by this because I haven't looked at Intel in a while. And I guess it's not showing up in my screens recently because it's PE is now at 31 31 times for Intel. What is going on? What's happening in the world? 31 times uh, with a peg of 2.1. None of that is cheap. So this would not show up in any of the screens I'm doing now to find, you know, buy and hold stocks. Dividend uh, is also lower now. It's just 1.2% yield. Uh, but the shares are big time off the 2023 lows. So they did sink into there and they are up 70 5.7% in the last year. But if you had bought on July 18th, 2018, when this episode premiered, it hasn't been good. You would be down 9% still. But again, that includes the, the pandemic years and uh, the 2022 sell-off, which was not good in most semiconductors, but you're still, you're down 9%. S&P 500 up 76.7% during that same time period. Now, I did look at the earnings forecast and earnings for 2024 expected to be up 32.4% and 2025, 49.1%. So that's some darn good earnings growth, um, but it's just not cheap enough. And the stock still isn't really uh, going anywhere on the longer time period. If you had timed this right and got in there on the 2023 lows, you'd have a huge winner here. So a lot of it is about timing, luck, what's going on in the company, the cycle. Semiconductors have very uh, varied cycles over the years. And so they see big gains and, and then they decline. But Intel, uh, that's, a, that's a kind of a rough one, down 9% over that five and a half year period. Okay, then we finish it up with another techie type of name. I was into finding whatever tech I could find. And this one was HP Enterprises, ticker H as in Harry, P as in Paul, E as in Edward. And this was a couple of years after HP, Hewlett Packard, split up into two companies. They split up into the enterprise side and then the the like laptop computer side. This is the enterprise side, obviously, because it's HP Enterprises, which is like IT, cloud, networking, that side of the business. And these shares since July 18th, 2018 through February 13th, 2024 are down, down as well, down 2% over that time period. Again, S&P 500 up 76.7%. So not that good of a showing. PE in 2018 was 10.8 with a dividend yielding 3%. PE today in 2024 is 7.9. So considerably cheaper with a dividend yielding 3.4%. So slightly higher. 
So they are trying to lure you in with the dividend on this one because sales are expected to be up just 1.7% in fiscal 2024 and 3.1% in fiscal 2025. So you're not seeing a big sales growth. That's not how this company is. That's not what you're buying. Um, Earnings expected to be down 10.2% this fiscal year in 2024, but up 9.5% in fiscal 2025. You do want to get this type of stock as cheap as you can. We thought it was pretty cheap in 2018 at 10.8 times, and we were getting that 3% dividend. So we were kind of proud of ourselves back then. But it's turned out to be kind of a bust of an investment over all that time period. However, you did get the dividend yielding 3.4%. So it wasn't all for nothing, but um, still not the ideal situation we had hoped when we bought it in July 2018 to hold for five years. So what does this tell you? Uh, We had one big winner in Progressive, PGR is that ticker, and we had one so-so hold in Rider, and then pretty much everything else was basically a bust. The other three (laughs) were not good and really did underperform the S&P 500. So now you can see why most people are passive investors. And by passive, that means you're just buying the big indexes. You're buying that, you're holding it. Um, Some of those, they pay dividends as well. The S&P 500 index does pay a dividend. Um, And so you're getting that little bit of extra as well. And then you don't have to worry about picking correctly. You don't have to worry about timing it at just the right time with an Intel so that you're getting the 75% gain and not the down 9% on Intel, right? Because you're just buying the whole S&P 500, or maybe you're buying the NASDAQ 100, the QQQ. That was up 143.9% from July 18th, 2018 to February 13th, 2024. So that it's even crushing the S&P 500, but Progressive still beat that because we were up, uh, what did I say, 212.7%. But again, this just tells you how difficult it is to pick And even if you get stocks cheaply, as we did on this episode originally in 2018, and we pick ones with a history and paying the dividend, it still is just very difficult to uh, get long-term winners by individual stock picking, right? That doesn't mean we're not going to keep trying because every time we get a progressive, we know we may find another one. So we want to get one of those big winners like that. And so we will keep looking as value investors. Maybe we'll do what Warren Buffett always does. If something's not working out like IBM, IBM did not work out for him. So he sold out of that after it wasn't going in the direction he thought And the business wasn't either, and he did take a loss, but he got out of that. He got into something else, that something else was Apple, and the rest is history, as we know. And he got lucky in one of those big winner stocks. It only takes one for a portfolio, 
although he has a couple in the Berkshire portfolio that have been very good performers in his Visa, in his MasterCard, um, and then obviously in uh, Apple. But he owns that big bank, Bank of America, sitting there all these years uh, waiting for the banks to return as well. He's getting his dividend, but this is the difficulty of stock investing, but it's always good to look back and look to see what did happen if I bought and hold these particular stocks. What lessons can I take from this? Well, one of the biggest lessons is you do need to, you know, make sure you're watching and knowing what the companies are doing at least once a year if not long you know more times than that but stay on top of the business because that's what it is you own the business you are a shareholder you are an owner and you need to know what is going on with earnings growth with sales growth what is happening with management what kind of edge uh, does does this company have to beat competitors? Do they have a moat? Warren Buffett always likes the moats. If they have one, um, that's even better. But uh, the boring stock, progressive, that's what I called it. Although I did call HP Enterprises boring too <laughs> at the end of the podcast when I got to that one. Um, but you know, sometimes boring, boring works. It's, it's not a bad thing. And Warren Buffett knows that all too well. He owns both Geico and uh, General Re, some huge insurance companies, and they've been big uh, winners for him as well in Berkshire Hathaway. So insurance uh, uh, is the way to go, apparently. So let me recap the stock tickers we talked about both in 2018 and again here in 2024. There was progressive ticker PGR. We had Rider Systems, which I own in the value investor portfolio. They just reported earnings, ticker R, just one letter, R as in Robert. Then we had a bank, East West Bank Corp, ticker EWBC. Yeah, I'm kind of throwing in the towel on a lot of the banks. Uh, Buffett did a while ago other than Bank of America, but he's gotten rid of most of his other banks. Um, Intel, ticker INTC, it's always kind of, um, you know, at the back of the line for the semiconductors in recent years. And it's, its return over this time period from 2018 kind of shows that. And then we had HP Enterprises, ticker H as in Harry, P as in Paul, E as in Edward. That's also on the more boring side of tech, if you want to call it that, on the enterprise side. But uh, still getting a decent dividend with with HPE yielding 3.4%. So as always, you don't want to miss a single episode because who knows what we're going to be talking about. And I do encourage people to go on YouTube, on Zach's podcast channel over there. Take a look at some of those older uh, value investor podcasts because some of them are kind of intriguing. I might return to a couple of others just to kind of do another update because it's been a couple of years. One of the other favorite ones on there is um, how to use the Zach's rank to find good value stocks. That's a good one. And, um, you know, we've we've covered a lot with Warren Buffett, but a lot of the Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway uh, episodes are very popular over there too. And you can go back and listen to those. I think there's one on like how to invest like Warren Buffett. That's always a good one. And like I said, I may be returning to some of these topics because, 
you know, just because we heard it a couple of years ago doesn't mean we remember or doesn't mean that, you know, we're actually doing what we should. (laughs) We might be ignoring some of the advice from whatever was in an old podcast episode, right? Uh, But this one, five value stocks to buy and hold for five years was interesting to look at. Does buy and hold work? Well, it's it's the luck of the draw, right? It can, but you kind of got to get lucky to some extent as well. So be sure to get us somewhere. You can get us on Zach's podcast. You can subscribe over there. You can get us on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're on Amazon Music. We're on a bunch of platforms that didn't exist in 2018. But be sure to get us somewhere. And I'll see you again next week with some more value stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.